Um, Hi. Hey, bud. It's almost, it's almost the end. I, I think it's close enough that we could round it up to the end. Welcome to the end. Mathematically, this is the end. Jason. 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 Synesthesia to me is uh, it's a true definition of the mixing of the senses. What makes synesthesia exciting? It takes us all the way from just the mingling of the senses, all the way to metaphors, or even transcending the senses, where you are, are no longer constrained by the tyranny of individual sense impressions. Jason, what are you talking about? <laughs> Synesthesia, a movie podcast featuring Jason Michaelich and Jim Hickox, begins now. Hold the string. This is from Business Insider. Okay. Congress approved a $2.3 trillion funding package containing $600 checks for struggling Americans on Monday. On Thursday, U.S. President Donald Trump called for $2,000 checks instead. Democrats support these larger checks, and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi plans to hold a vote on them on Monday. Larry Summers, who was Treasury Secretary at the end of Bill Clinton's presidency, and director of the National Economic Council at the start of Barack Obama's administration, and is currently a advisor to the incoming Biden administration. Great. And is the individual most singularly responsible for convincing the Obama administration to make the 2008 stimulus as small as possible. Great. Good sign. Told Bloomberg that while it would be better to have stimulus than not, promoting consumer spending through individual checks was the wrong way to keep the economy moving. 
He said he was, quote, not even sure I'm so enthusiastic about the $600 checks, unquote, let alone the $2,000 ones. So, Jim. Yeah. Let's talk about blood sacrifices. (laughs) I'm in. I mean, maybe we should just start our conversation out <laughs> by acknowledging that Mel Gibson is a garbage human. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was walking past two men on a bench today, sitting on... They were sitting, you know, far apart on opposite ends, because uh, clearly they were like... I think they met on the bench. I think they were just two guys who happened to be on a bench. Um, but they were talking to each other, and as I was walking past... One of the dudes said to the other one, he was like an older guy, he was like, my dog tried to commit suicide last night. I kept walking, so I don't know the details. I feel like that's the, like, two-thirds of the way through punchline to a story about a guy who, like, the story is just that everybody can't stand him. Yeah. But not for any, like, particularly egregious reason, he just sort of drains energy from any room that he's in. Yeah. And that's sort of like the... Uh, it's like the low point in the story. Yeah, it's not like the... <laughs> it's not the final act, it's no. not the, but it's like right before that, it's just sort of the... Uh, like the, the escalating throwaway punchline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's go. What if blood was the new currency? <laughs> well, Peter Thiel's working on that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Um, did you get to watch Apocalypto? Oh, I sure did. <laughs> um, Um, all right. So this is one of the times I get to actually pull this one. I made you watch a movie called <laughs> you did. Apocalypto. You did. What, this what is, happened to you? This is a movie. So you made me aware of this movie in, I'm going to say 2006, uh, by making me watch the trailer over and over again, just to find the one frame that has Mel Gibson in it. And, leering at the camera with a big old beard, uh, which I appreciated um, at the time. And from the trailer, from back then, from not really paying attention to it except for that one frame, I assumed that this was a, um, you know, like a period piece, like a, like, a, like a poignant period piece that had something to say about Mayan culture uh, and not just two hours of nonsense. <laughs> I I thought it would yeah, I thought it like I thought it was like a movie with something to say. I thought it would be like dances with wolves, you know? Um 
And that, and so I, I never really bothered with it because I, because that's not my jam broadly is movies that want to tell me something primarily, you know? Um, and it, it was not that Jason, <laughs> this movie isn't, isn't that I spent, I, I'm what, two hours and 36 minutes trying to figure out what this is. It's like sort of a goofy action comedy, but full of that good old Melly Gibbs hyperviolence. Uh, which is, which is hard. <laughs> you know? I was like, the, if the violence looked like violence in Predator, or, or uh-huh. similar, Die uh-huh. Hard, I would be like, I see what this movie is. It's just an action comedy that's set in the jungle with Mayans. Right. Sure. Why not? Right? Um, but it's not that. And if, if the violence were what the violence is, um, and it were like a, like a brutal revenge film, you know, like really going for like a gritty genre thing. Mm-hmm. I would also get that, you know, if it was like, if you lost the last, well, if you like, if you lost the variant, um, and, and sort of set it where it's like, you know, the, the, they capture, maybe accelerate the first half, you know, we meet this guy, we meet his village, uh, this other, this group of city hunters come through and hunt them and try to sacrifice them. Maybe they kill his wife and child, uh, and then the last uh, half to two thirds is him leading around the leading them around the jungle, and it's like super violent jungle home alone, you know. And he's like murdering because they set up that trap right at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. pig snare, and then yeah, you spend yeah. the entire movie being like, "When is that pig snare going to come into play?" And then in the scene where it finally does, you're you're waiting, right? You're like, "I know it's gonna, it's how he kills this guy." Yeah. And you're just waiting for him to step in it. And if instead of being like a, ha remember this? If it was like the whole second half was like, or like that scene in one of the Star Wars where Ewoks are like throwing logs at giant machines. If it was that yeah, sort of yeah. like gleefully tricky, you know, then, then I would understand that movie. I would be like, I get the impulse and, and desire to fund this, right? Um, but it's not either of those things. It's like, it's an action movie. Uh, and it's incredibly dumb. It like goes way out of its way to be dumb at every turn. Um, it's, I mean, it starts with like a joke about some dudes pranking another dude by making him eat testicles. Uh, and then like a joke about like how awful mother-in-laws are. Uh, and then, and then basically the like Mayan version of putting icy hot in a jock strap. Um, that's how it starts. It's just like incredibly dumb, right? It's like, it's it's a dumb movie for dumb guys, and then and then and then people are like smashing each other in the head with rocks and like spraying grotesque blood everywhere. It's such a mismatch of tone. I don't I don't get it. Also, Jason, there's <laughs> he keeps like almost moving into these like uh, like Yodorowsky style like beautiful. Like, all those people covered in, like, that white stone powder mm-hmm. is so striking. And that's it plays a big role in the trailer. Again, there's, like, that line of dudes, which is where you find Mel Gibson, who are all covered in that way. But they just kind of, like, walk through that space in the movie. It's not. Yeah. It's never part of the movie. And then, you know, they all get, like, painted that blue. That's, like, very striking. It's a lot of painting people colors, right? Mm-hmm. The people get painted blue, and that's really striking. And then near the end, he, like, gets covered in that, like, slick, black, beautiful mud, right? Mm-hmm. But then, like... He gets covered in that slick black beautiful mud in like in like this verdant green area, and the first thing he does is like run into frame and throw a beehive at a bunch of dudes like it's a like he's Br'er Rabbit, you know? It's like 
it, it's like Mel Gibson's like, I have this beautiful image and I don't care. Look how dumb. <laughs> it's, it's like a cartoon moment. Um, it's very strange. I don't, I don't get it. It feels like, it feels like it's just Mel Gibson squandering resources for fun. Which in and of itself is worthwhile. <laughs> oh yeah. <clears throat> I'm, I'm very glad I watched <laughs> When you were describing what happens in the film, giving your like version yeah. of the plot synopsis, you called the um, the sort of the hostile Mayans who come and kidnap everybody. You called them city hunters. Yeah. <laughs> and my immediate thought was, how would you hunt a city? How do you become a city hunter? And I mean, that's a good movie. Yeah. And and how can we make it's a like mid scale Galactus? Yeah. Yeah. Like what what does that entail? Like, yeah. do you do you make it something like mid-scale, like like something cosmic or, or super right. human, or do you figure out a way that a single person could conceive yeah, of themselves as a city. a city hunter? Whether they could yeah. do it or not, like, what does that entail? What would what, what sure. does that look like? So that was the question that I had as soon as you said call them city hunters. Um, <laughs> So I, <laughs> so the you you hit some of the broad outline of the film, uh, or like sure. most of it, but it is basically it's a it is uh well not a maybe uh awards focused sentimental uh period piece. It is a period piece set in yes well supposedly set within ancient Mayan set civilization. In who knows? The, I set mean, in the, who the history knows? of the film is just. I, the actual history that he's dealing with, he makes a total mess of it, but... Sure, sure. Purportedly. Yeah, he's like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like set in a, in a Mesoamerican civilization. It's supposed to be the Mayans. He throws a lot of Aztec in there. He doesn't really care. Um, he does not care. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you... you uh, As you said, there's a sort of a, a peaceful, uh, you know, dumb, fun village, and mm-hmm. then uh, vicious... Killers from the nearby mega city come yeah. and kill people and kidnap slaves and bring them back to the mega city for blood sacrifice on the giant pyramid for like uh, mass sacrifice. Which I I'm not a history major. I don't think the Mayans ever did. No, that's one of the things where that's it. It's not even a Mayan sacrifice ritual. It's very close. It's much closer yeah. to an Aztec sacrifice ritual, and yeah. they're the yeah, ones yeah, who are yeah. doing it on that kind of scale. And that was a completely different time, different civilization. Yeah. Different area of the world. <laughs> this is a film that many scholars have uh, deemed to be not just historically inaccurate, but historically sort of vicious <laughs> in its portrayal of the Mayans or it, its sort of character assassination of, a, of an entire people. Um, yeah, which yeah, I, yeah, yeah. One of the things I think about this film is that while I agree with that in a large part, there I think is a little bit of nuance that understandably people who are critiquing the film on those grounds aren't going to engage with because they're trying Which to Which is that sort no of, one would ever look at it as a historical document. That well, like, I mean, they, you have to go into it knowing it's Mel Gibson nonsense. Yeah, I mean they, that that's part of it. Um but uh but I, I don't I don't fault any of the sort of the public 
historians uh, and no, of course, uh, of course. advocates for indigenous people uh for <laughs> for declining to grant any uh you know aesthetic <laughs> grace <laughs> to, sure. to the moment um but yeah so so people from minds from the city come and kidnap minds from the country bring them back for blood sacrifice we're following one dude named jaguar's paw who yeah well done uh you know, I've been trying to remember that for like five <laughs> minutes and I couldn't. He he escapes being sacrificed and runs away to go find his family, his wife and kids. Or his pregnant in a wife hole. and one They spend the whole movie in a, a hole. whole movie in a hole, which is, I mean. Very Mel Gibson. We have to say, we can also talk about <laughs> how much of this film is uh, Mel just letting his id roam free. <laughs> yeah. Put the family in a, in a hole. <laughs> Leave them there for a while. <laughs> yeah. Basically, the majority of the film is, or the bulk of the film is, is like a, uh, you said, like a Rambo-esque chase sequence, or, or you know, it, it's violence in the jungle, it's action, yeah. it's not quote-unquote serious, sure. um, although there are things about it that then sort of become serious, maybe in spite of itself. Like uh, what? I, we, we can <laughs> we can tackle that in a sec. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, chase through the jungle, and then, um, well, it ends up, we'll talk about the ending later. Um, yeah, this movie is is confounding. Can I, this is a minor note, but you mentioned we start with, like, meeting this, like, village of people, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, another village of people who fish instead of hunt, who, like, are sad and scared. We get a whole lecture about how fear is the mind killer. Yeah. Uh, right. uh, but, um... But we open with this, like, hunting party, which is the dudes we're going to follow through the movie, including Jaguar's paw, who's yeah. going to be our main character. And it starts with this, like, this group of hunters who have caught a javelina or whatever lives there. Like a taper or um, something? A taper. It's a taper. Um, with, like, a clever trap. Um, and then, and then they, like, do this humiliation ritual it's a prank it's not a ritual they do they like prank this one dude who they then prank again two minutes later in the movie um and because it's mel gibson the person we're meant to sympathize with is the bully it's not (laughs) the guy who's being pranked that guy is an incidental character who dies halfway through the movie the guy we're supposed to be like that's that's the guy we're we're like on his side is the guy who's just messing with this other guy and being a jerk yeah (laughs) <laughs> that's yeah, it's our just, introduction. It's, it's that. boys will be boys. Uh, yeah. Prank, pranks, t- pranks time. Yeah. Uh, I just found that strange. I thought that other guy was going to be the main character. <laughs> nope, nope. He's for forty minutes. <laughs> he is not. No, no. Um, why did I make you watch There's- this movie? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, go, go ahead, all, go this ahead. is also. I'm just. I'm just jumping around. Feel free to punch at me whenever. There's also. A thing you didn't mention in your in your sort of run through is that around the midpoint of the film, we get um, there being more. We we spend uh, forty eight minutes watching this group of dudes just getting marched across the country while these other dudes are being cruel to them. Yeah, um, and in the middle of that, they run across a tiny girl with pox on her face who uh, who's very precocious um, and announces that that like the man who brings the jaguar. Uh, which let's remember is the name of our main character. Um, 
uh, is going to be their downfall. And he's, and she like gives him this whole prophecy about how like the sun will be blocked out and then, and then the end times will come or whatever. Um, and then when he's going to be sacrificed, there's a, there's a solar eclipse, right? And that's why they like stop the sacrifices and how he eventually gets away. Um, that all feels relevant in terms of like telling the story, but also completely irrelevant <laughs> to anything. Yeah. Like it is, it, uh, it is in many ways more nonsense, but at the same time, yes. it is because the it's movie the is nothing but nonsense. It, yeah. <laughs> it is sort of this. What's interesting about the movie is what weirdo scenes get yes. created. Yes. In this, in this, why is this being made film space? Well, at that same point in the movie, I either the beginning, maybe at the, I think it's just before that scene. Um, we get a, a scene of them like marching along. Oh no, they're like settling in for the night. It is. It's just before that. They're settling in for the night after a night of marching. And the guy who I thought was the main character is talking about how he's going to get revenge on all these dudes. Um, and then the guy who ends up being the main character looks in the camera and screams, don't rain. Uh, which I didn't understand until the very end of the movie because his wife and child are in a hole and it turns out that hole holds water when it rains. Uh, I had no way of knowing that it would flood um, until the end when it does. So I didn't know why he screamed, don't rain, directly in my face. Uh, but he does. He screamed it at me. And then the camera immediately cut to the largest tree in the world just falling over while they were walking the next day. And it was a super crazy juxtaposition. Um, which I think plays into that sort of idea of like, I th- a largely because it's just a collection of crazy things. It's these sort of like, these sort of like knee jerk moments where, where you're like, some, a man is screaming at you at night and then suddenly it's daytime and, and, and an impossibly large CGI tree is falling over where you're like, there's like some kind of, uh, I'm not going to say there's like a serotonin jump. <laughs> you're like, like, what's going on, right? Like, what? There's a puzzle here, and I'm going to solve it. Yeah, but the puzzle is Mel Gibson's psyche, so no one's going to solve right? it. So you're never going to solve it. No. You just no. have to You have to wonder at it. It's almost like, it's like, it's like outsider art. Yeah, no, this is like the... For cinema. This is, this is the big budget Mel Gibson went into the jungle and lost his mind version of the room. Yes. Like it is... Yes, absolutely. And and it's for my money. Then it. Uh, I wish I had my thoughts more organized right now because, well, that could, would be very off brand for us. But <laughs> <laughs> um, have you seen any of Mel's other films? I mean, I assume you've seen Braveheart. Of course, I've seen Braveheart. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what he's directed. I've no I mean, idea he did what I've seen. Braveheart. He did The Passion of the Christ. I did not watch that. And he did a because I knew it would be like this. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of what's interesting is that this is, in some ways, it's like sixty percent a remake of the Passion of the Christ. <laughs> but because he's shifted yeah. it from this milieu that he has an incredible, you know, the the Christ story is something he has an incredible personal devotion and connection to, and he yes. has all kinds of very uh, important. Like it, literally, it's a sacred cow for him, right? <laughs> like yeah, he's, he's doing, he's he's doing work with the passion. He's yeah. he wants that to read like a passion play reads, yeah, like, to scare you into being Christian, right? That he like has a mission, yeah. Um, Whereas this is, he doesn't care at all. I mean, I so so. Well, I, I'm not sure when to start arguing for <laughs> him actually having a point in this film. 
um, and like having ideas because I think it is a film that has ideas in it. Um, but it's also a film where he has, uh, I, I think not that it matters, but largely unintentionally because I I don't think he thinks about the work in this way. Um, I, I think he's shifted the, um, the violence, the degradation, the apocalyptic, uh, in the like very expansive and, and very sort of original sense of, of, uh, the word, uh, stuff that interests him in the passion story and he shifted it into a story and a world where he doesn't have that kind of connection to the material. He doesn't have that devotion to quote getting it right. So he just, he creates a canvas on which to then delve into those things that more viscerally and aesthetically interest him, which is full of its own problems, right? Like he's, you know, he's taking the, his, you know, a, a, a mucked up version of the history of an indigenous people and just using it as a yes. blank canvas. Yes. But that in and of itself actually then has metaphorical <laughs> resonances with what the film ends up doing. But I, I, I can, I can expand and upon. That's, that's what I, I didn't mean like he doesn't care about the content of the film. What I mean right, is right, right. he, he's taken this thing that I think is poignant for him and shifted into a setting that, that for him is like a nonsense fantasy setting, setting, right? This is like, Someone who who doesn't care about like Tolkien being like I'm making a fantasy movie because who cares because a dragon can be whatever right yeah. he's doing that but he's like ah the Mayans they're just like some fake stuff <laughs> that I can do anything he like doesn't care about actual history or or those human beings uh, yeah. or anything about them he's just like this is a fake fantasy jungle land that I can make as vicious and weird as I want it to be yeah. Um, that's I what mean, I think he, he doesn't care about. It's like that. That th- I mean, clearly it's like enticing for him in some way, but I don't well, think he, he like thinks he, he cares. he's not interested in doing service to any of that. Yeah, he, he just thinks wants he cares about the a history. space to tell his story. He thinks he cares about the history. Like I know he he at least pitches it this way or pitched it this way in interviews around the time of like the authenticity of it. Like he's oh, it's, really? it's that like fetishization of the of like one of the things he was interested in doing in Passion of the Christ. Right, was making the film in Aramaic, and then right. he goes and he makes a film in Mayan. <laughs> like yeah. he's interested yeah. in that as an experience. I, his, I think part of the issue is that he has a bad historical understanding, not that he has a disinterested historical sure. understanding. Like he starts That's the fair. film with a quote from, I guess I just assume that if you were interested, you would do research. Well, but it, it depends on what research you do, right? Like he starts the quote, he starts the film with a quote from Will Durant, uh, yeah. from the history of civilization. Uh, that, um, what is it? That, uh, no, no great civilization can be conquered from without until it has destroyed itself right. from within. Right. Which is, um, as, as history is a nonsense idea. Yes. Right. Like that's just, it's bonkers. And yeah. it, it's like a philosophy that that guy made up. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it was, it's, it's glib. He was talking about the Roman empire when he wrote it, but it, sure. you know, and, Gibson is just transposing it to the Mayans, but then he's, you know, mixing in, like I said, but then he's Mayan making up Aztec, history to fit that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like some of the things are incredibly accurate down to like different paintings on the wall that they were literally finding oh, while they were shooting the film. Um, but then some of it, like I said, is completely just juked around, like mixing Aztec and Mayan having, I mean, the ending, the end of the film yes. has 
the Spanish coming. Like you see the Spanish yes. galleons off the coast yeah. of South America. Yeah. And that doesn't happen for like 500 years after yeah. the time period that maybe the Mayans. The Mayans were to gone. Be in, yeah. Like, I mean, there, there was a, there was a, a huge indigenous population, but it wasn't that same yes. civilization. No. <laughs> so it was, it was a different thing. Um, yeah. And it was actually a civilization that was much more robust and interconnected and what, you know, it, it, it wasn't crumbling from within. Um, so, right. so as history, it's terrible. He thinks that it's good history because he is somebody who is, you know, probably read Will Durant and read like portions of the huge history of civilization, which is a, a boiling down a like glib, but long and authoritative recitation of the, you know, repeating arcs of history in every civilization. So he, okay. he feels probably like he has a historical point to make with the film, or at least that he's sure that he's engaging with history. I think the problem there is that it's bad history. It's the history of yeah. the, you know, son of a man. <laughs> it's the history of the son of a Holocaust deniter, right? Like it, sure. <laughs> there's a, a troubling relationship to history there. Yeah. Yeah. It's someone like who has a broader point that they want to make that doesn't involve accurately reciting what happened or like even making, an accurate observation on what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, so he's, he's just mashing together all of these things that he has cribbed from histories and reinterpreted Mm -hmm. to fit his viewpoint. Now, what that viewpoint is or what the ideas are, are open to debate and interpretation, obviously. And I, I'm curious what your read on, on what the movie is trying to do it. Because I, so I, as I said, spent a good chunk of the movie just trying to figure out, I was confused who the main character was. I didn't understand what, what the movie was. Um, it took me a long time to sort of come to grips with, with the situation I had found myself in. Um, and so then by the end, I was like, okay, this is like a fun time, but excessively violent chase through the woods. Um, which, which sort of the last third of it mostly is. Um, he's being chased by a group of dudes. He's sort of picking them off one by one. Um, like a little bit like if it were a revenge film, which if it had been that structure, I think I would have, I would have known what it was and I would have probably enjoyed it more. Um, but then he like, he like kills the like main bad guy with his sneaky trap, but there's still two dudes chasing him. Yeah. And you're like, that's weird. And then they run out of the woods onto the beach and see those Spanish galleons, right? And so then those, those final two dudes, walk towards the Spanish. Yeah, they're um, just sort of, like, dumbstruck. Yeah. and Yeah, because they've never seen a ship, right? They're like, what is any of this? Yeah. Um, or, like, on that scale. Right, right, they've right. seen boats, right? Yeah. But not, like, a galleon. Um, or, like, a hel- a metal helmet, right? Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's aliens landing, right? It's, you know, yeah, what's exactly, happening? Exactly. Um, and then the main character is like, peace out, and slinks back into the woods. Uh and I thought, I, so then I was like, okay, now we're going to be, now it's going to be like these dudes rushing in and like murdering the whole city. But no, he doesn't like go into that. Then we have what it, I had to rewind to figure out was a weird time jump. I still don't fully understand this time jump. It's raining. He rescues his wife and child and new newborn child from a hole. Uh, and then we cut immediately to them walking through the woods. They're all dry. The gash on his head is like partially healed. So it's clearly sometime later. Uh, but those galleons are still arriving and 
they they sort of so it feels like it, it's become metaphysical in a way and then they look out at them and have a conversation about like who what are those they bring men should we go to those men no says jaguar paw to his small family we should head out into the woods and start anew um and then the, and then they walk off into trees and the movie fades out and and at that point i was like oh this whole movie contained a metaphor for Mel Gibson's brain that I completely missed. And maybe I have to rewatch it to get any of it. But that ending is obvious. It's like full nonsense from, from the movie I thought I was watching, right? Mm -hmm. The movie I thought I was watching was about this one guy, like scrapping his way out of this thing. Um, like this, this uh, tribe attacking, attacking another tribe. Um, I feel bad using the, this language. Um, right, well, but the movie almost pushes you to do it, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. I, that's kind of, yeah. Um, you're not describing people, then, you're talking about what Mel Gibson showed you. Yes, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and then, and so I think it's about like this guy, and then, and I assumed his family was going to die, because that's how it would normally go, but they don't, and that was a little confusing to me. And then, and then, yeah, and then this ending happens where, like, there's 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 this other thing that makes no sense, as we said historically, that happens that doesn't make any sense to them. That that, that he's not going to bother resolving, but he is going to send these people who are a hundred percent going to die off into the woods and be like, and and like for his movie, they would die, right? It's uh, I'm not saying like they would get found out in the woods for sure and die, but like in this Mel Gibson world, there's no way they're not going to get killed and except that he sends them off and they say like, let's start anew. So it feels like there is some kind of like a rebirth metaphor there or something. And I was like, what is he? Is he like, I don't know what he's trying to say. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I feel like he's saying something, but it didn't fit with the movie that I watched. I feel like I just said that and then said it longer and then said it again, but it's <laughs> true. All three times it was true. Um. So I don't know what I We'll be honest. I don't know what he was trying to say. Like, if oh, you asked him, I don't expect I, you well, to. Well, and, I, and I and I know also you don't necessarily care about that. But like, he is definitely like this is meaningful to him for sure. I don't care about that as a film watcher. I am very curious about it academically. Yeah, like what? what I mean, I'm. I would be happy to know intent. what happens in Mel Gibson's brain on any given day yeah. academically. Yeah. Well, but I, one of the interesting things about an artist like Mel Gibson, because for, you know, any pros and cons or, or like Mary Hidden, he is an artist. Like this is, sure. This is a work. He's making, right? It. Like he, yeah. this is, no one else could have made this movie. And so what's interesting to me is, is not necessarily what he thought he was doing, but what he couldn't, can't help but do. Right. Like, of course, That's I think what's interesting about yeah, any, and, art, and right? if you talk to him, he wouldn't even necessarily know what he was doing. Like he has ideas about what he's doing, but then they result in the film. And, and yes. so I, I can talk about some of the things that I think he maybe thought he was doing, some of the things he's accused yeah. of doing. Well, that's, but then here's like the, the thing is the that I'm much more interested. I'm much more interested in what you think he's doing because I think you're smarter than he is. <laughs> um, I maybe, but I could not have made this film. Um, no, but that you don't have to be smart to make a unique piece no, of art. No, I know. You just I know. have just to joking. have strong <laughs> compulsions. Um, so I, I two notes. Also, I would be really upset with you if you made this film. As you, yes, obviously. <laughs> I wanted to to say that one of the things I know was in Mel's mind, at least uh, somewhat, 
when making this film is that idea of blood sacrifice mm-hmm. and that idea of uh, reflecting that idea in modern Western society, right? Like he, he said explicitly in at least one appearance, uh, he said like, what, what are all the lives being thrown away in Iraq for no reason other than a blood sacrifice on a mass scale? Oh, interesting. You know, like that. I didn't realize that he felt that way or like thought about things that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, which I don't think he's some closet leftist, you know, like obviously he's, he's no. got, you know, of course not. <laughs> he's coming at it from a different angle than I am, but that sentiment is sure. correct. You know, that is, yeah, yeah, that yeah, is yeah. the right way to look at that because that is, that is the blood sacrifice of a decadent civilization. I, oh, like, yeah. And that, yeah. That we're like, we want oil to be cheaper, so let's send young men to be murdered. Yeah. It, it's, is insane. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, we, we want to main, you know, and, and we're, we're doing it now. Like, wh- whether it's with our own, or all the people we're murdering now in drone wars yeah. with like, sanctions with I mean we we are we're a blood machine like our yeah. civilization runs on blood just like the Mayans yes. does and that I think more yes. than any <laughs> just like the real Mayans <laughs> uh parody in the film in the game no um no our civilization runs on blood just as much yeah, as yeah. the Mayans in Mel's film do um and yeah. I think more than than any it may be irresponsible and it's probably reflective of pretty shit attitudes in his mind that he didn't care about how accurate he was about that society. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he really yeah. cared about saying anything about that society. I think he cared much more no. <laughs> about just talking about making a more general point about what societies run on and what the rot at a core of a society yes. is. And it is that yeah. That need to chew up and devour other lives, you know, yes. and that is it's he's not going to look at it the way I look at it, but it is, you know, Mark's talking about the satanic mills of London, right? It yeah, is, it's, it's yeah. the, it's the charnel house of, of global capital, of US imperialism. All of that is wrapped up in the film as much yeah. as anything else. And it's, and it's even, he makes it sort of obvious <laughs> that he's, <laughs> <laughs> that he's, I don't know, that he's being a communist a little bit, where he's like, we have this group, this peaceful group of people who have a clutch of hunters that go out and find them meat, and they run into this other group of hunters, and both groups are scared uh, of the other, right? Each group is afraid the other's going to attack. They have a brief conversation. They trade some fish for some meat, and they're like, peace out. It was a nice meeting. Yeah. Right? That's, that's how he has his people... Yeah interacting. He's like, that's what this world is. They're they're happy to swap fish for meat. They're yeah. like happy to pass each other in the woods, even if they're a little scared of each other. And then in come the like b- brutal city hunters. Yeah. <laughs> hunters of cities who who come in and are like, we're gonna murder you for for what is clearly even in their even for those city people a show. Yeah. Right? Like like the guy who's running those sacrifices clearly it's it's made clear that he doesn't believe that they're appeasing a god. That he's doing yeah. it because he knows it 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 makes the masses feel like they're appeasing a god. Yeah. Um, so he's like they're they're using this blood to keep the people yeah. under control. Or they they are appeasing uh, a god, just not the god that they claim to be appeasing. They're appeasing the god right. of power. They're of course, appeasing of the god of like yeah yeah uh, yeah exactly. So so it is. He is like here are these people who live in in fundamentally a, a communistic state. Uh, 
And then, and then in comes this blood machine. And that's what sort of causes this, this rot yeah. that brings in the next era. Right? Well, and I think so it is very <laughs> kind of fundamentally leftist, even if I don't think Mel Gibson is. Well, I think where it, where it falls short of, of being leftist is that he's not really presenting a communistic lifestyle so much as like an eco-primitivist one or like a, like a, like a sure, ecological sure, sure, sure. anarchism or whatever, like the, you know, small systems. Sure. And that's that, that, that's that ultimately that's true, like, uh, uh, reactionary position, right? Like we can't yes. progress into cities together and make decisions about how to, you know, best allocate right. resources to alleviate you know, to, to equally distribute the suffering so that nobody suffers more than, than they have to. Like that's, that's ultimately right. the, the, the progressive or leftist vision is like moving forward together, uh, you know, cooperatively, corporately, you know, collectively, whereas he's doing this. And then, then that's, if you really want to get into it, like that's as close to a, a clear message as he gives at the end, right? It's like, no, 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 we're going to go back yeah. to the woods. We got to go back to just, you yeah. know, and, and of course, if you really think about it, like that's never going to work because e- even if right. you posit that that's a, some sort of utopian vision, it's always going to then redevelop into this greater right. machine. Like you have to take the machine right. and you have to bend it to serve people as opposed to eat people. Um, but that, so, so that's where he, he has those impulses that I, I laud of like, right. you know, looking at the Iraq war and saying like, this is, this is just sacrificing people to your God of, of mammon, your God of, you know, yeah. whatever it is that you, you worship on the inside of, you know, your empty soul. But his answer to it is the answer of a rich guy who wants people to leave him alone. Or, <laughs> you know, like, no. or You fear me, so you should, all you who are vile. Would you like to know how you will die? The sacred time is near. Beware the blackness of day. Beware the man who brings the jaguar. Behold him reborn from mud and earth. For the one he takes you to will cancel the sky and scratch out the earth. Scratch you out and end your world. He's with us now. Day will be like night. And the man Jaguar will lead you to your end. Yeah, that's like pretty good little girl dialogue. Yeah, right? It's very it sounds, sounds just like an eight-year-old child. Yeah. I believe it is what maybe like Mel Gibson hears when an eight-year-old girl talks to him. Yeah, when any eight-year-old girl talks to him. <laughs> Yeah, she just tells you. She just tells you the last forty minutes of the movie. Right, like it, 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 she's it, like this jaguar guy. First, there's going to be an eclipse. Then he's going to cover himself in mud, and then you're all going to run out into a beach where where someone who's going to kill you all will be. Yeah, so it's like that fun, dumb, dumb, profound trick where you just have yeah, somebody yes. in the movie like it sort of mystify the events of the movie and yeah. give it. I think Paul Thomas Anderson pulls the same thing in Magnolia, but he gives it to the little kid in his rap song. Mm. Yes, and he's yes. rapping to John C. Riley, and he tells him the whole plot of the rest of the movie. And John C. Riley's yeah. like, "Okay, stay in school." 
Yeah. Um, but, uh, but... What a precocious little cub. I do also think that Mel thinks this is important. So, yeah. and, and uh, it, clearly he does. And this is also where, because the film is called Apocalypto, right? Like it's not called yes. Mayan Predator. It's not called right. Rumble in the Jungle. It's called Apocalypto because there is a world ending yes. quality to the film. And, and I think that one of the things that struck me about the film when I first saw it is that it is this, it's almost like a dual text or like a, a schizophrenic text in that on the one hand, it's this sort of quintessential straight ahead action film. And I, mm-hmm. th- and that's something Gibson even talks about as he says, like, you know, but we wanted the camera to never stop moving. We wanted it to be completely kinetic. We wanted it to just keep, yes, keep punching because to me, you know, I, on one level, the most amazing thing a film could be is like one big chase. Sure. You know, so it's like this ultimate dumb guy energy. Yes. But on the other hand, it has this. Like, really deep, it's not just sort of hung on like ornament. It has this deep sense of doom and decay and horror. And, like, part of that obviously yeah. comes from from Gibson's just absolute fascination with the messy fragility of human bodies. <laughs> like, you said sure, that, like, yes. Gibsonian violence. Like, the, the, it's, yeah. you know, the his films are in a, a culture filled with violent imagery and violent films, his films still manage to shock in how yes. brutal they are. And they manage to shock yeah. watching them now. Like, yeah. if you watch something, you know, watch Braveheart or Apocalypto today in 2020, it's still like, yeah. Jesus! Like, whoa! What, what's striking is it, the the style of violence he uses is if you were watching, like, Saw four. Uh, you would see similar looking grotesqueries and you would be ready for them. Yeah. Right? You would be like, this is what this film is about and I am prepared. But Mel Gibson is just throwing that into a movie that is, right? It is sort of like a bumbly predator good time. And then someone gets hit with a rock and it's upsettingly gross. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it does, it like, it's constantly catching you off step because you, because it, because yeah, the camera's doing like action movie things and the people are like zipping around through the jungle and like grimacing and like covering themselves in mud. And you're like, I know what this is. Uh, and then someone gets like stabbed with a thing and just, it's just like spraying blood, but not in a comedy way. No, for no. Minutes, it's just, right? it's, it's just viscera and gore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but in this way that is genuinely upsetting if you're at all yes. attuned to the, to the film presentation, like as, as, yes. Um, and so it, it's, the film feels like it's building to something. It's obviously, it, it, yes. it, it, it has this, uh, as I said, sense of impending doom and he names it Apocalypto and there's this oracle girl who gives this, you know, you will be, your world will be ended. You will be scratched out. This is what's going to yeah. happen. The sun will go black and then he will lead you to who will destroy you. And of course he runs out onto the beach at the end. And these Mayan warriors come face to face with these Spanish galleons. Yeah. And what Mel maybe thinks he's saying, I mean, what he, what he is accused of saying, what people just sort of assume the film means by that mm-hmm. is that what you have here is you have just a, a two and a half hour long film about how before, uh, Europeans came to South America, this was a savage land. 
And then at the end, the main character is saved by the coming, like, presence of civilization. I didn't read it that way at all. Well, I think those, that's the wrong way to read it. Those dudes read as equally savage, yeah. right? You're like, here comes a murder force yeah. that's going to kill everybody. Yeah. Not, not a, none of that reads like a salvation to me. I think that's an insane read on the end. Yeah, so so that's what people wanted to jump to with this film. And that's like, you, you can find it over Because they're like and going and in again. mad at Mel Gibson. Yeah, is that exactly. They're yes, like, exactly. Yeah. They're coming in mad at Mel Gibson. Which they should. They Absolutely. should be mad at Mel Gibson. Because as you should positive. never not be mad at Mel Gibson. <laughs> um, yeah. Like the, I, I don't fault people for jumping sure. on that, you know. Sure. But I, I do think it's the wrong read because yeah. yes, the guys who are chasing Jaguar's paw stop chasing him at that moment, and he is technically yeah. saved from them by the sure. presence of the Europeans. But it's not that like the Europeans come and it's a happy ending. No, it's no. More- everyone is gonna die. Yeah. Um. And now maybe. Here's where I can posit that maybe Mel does have a concept. I think he does probably have some concept of even though the conquistadors were brutal, it is an overall positive thing that the cross is on that boat and that the priesthood is coming in here and that, mm. you know, there there's good and bad coming on those boats. Sure. Um, I'm sure he thinks that. Sure. Um, we do get a specific shot of a cross. Yeah. Yeah. On that, on that boat that's coming ashore. Um, and I think he's even talked about, and uh, this, this speaks to his, like, what history he's reading. And I, I couldn't even mm-hmm. speak to the accuracy of this. Um, I suspect it's less than what he thinks it is, but he, I know he talked at one point in something I read a while back about, like, tensions between the church and the conquistadors and, like, trying to lessen the church's responsibility for okay. the, you know, imperial uh, and colonial violence and, and all of this stuff. He tries to, like, pull these sure. threads apart. So I'm sure that what he thinks you're seeing in those boats is, you know, yes, menacing murder, but also this one point of potential salvation in that cross. Okay. I'm sure he thinks that to some degree. Sure, sure. But regardless of what he thinks, the film in his hands yeah. doesn't really posit that maybe for a second if you have the association that he has with the cross for a second you might think that but the film doesn't let you keep thinking it no um i also never thought that no 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 but when i was what you know i was just like oh murder boats it's it's like and it's also it's it's uh, this is a little bit the girl says it right but also just when you see those people coming you've been watching people fight each other in the woods with sticks and sticks with rocks attached to them and uh poisoned thorns yeah uh and like occasionally like an axe right but these dudes are coming and they have like technology yeah <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're like there's no way these dudes are and also you know anything right you're like uh, not that not that this is how history happened, but you know that when there was an indigenous civilization there and the Spanish came, they just murdered them all. Yeah, right? yeah like you yeah. know that that is you know that's how. Yeah, it ends. They, it, but it, also you can see they seem like like you said like an alien force. Yeah. that has technology beyond these people's comprehension. They're just going to kill them all. Yeah, like so even just within the very very narrow context of the film aesthetically, it is a yeah. a shocking moment of. Yes more impending doom. Like, this is the culmination yes. <laughs> of Apocalypse, right? Here. Yes. This is the end of the world that they see. That's what they yeah. see coming in to those shores. And that's what Jaguar's Paw sees, too. Because yes. in that final scene, when his 
wife asks, should we go to them? He says, no, yeah. <laughs> because that's yeah, the he's end like, of we're going to get as far into the woods as we can. The yeah. only option at this point is to, and th- I don't necessarily agree with this, but this is what the film, you know, this is what Gibson seems to be feeling in that moment is that the only option is to recuse is to just try yes. to escape, try yeah. as hard as possible to, to opt out of what is happening. <laughs> Yeah, um, he's like, let's get far away, so hopefully those dudes won't find us before our children die naturally. Yeah, exactly. It's like we go into the woods. We don't go yeah. back to our civilization because that's done. We don't yes. go into this new civilization because that's death. Like that's yes, we're done here. Um, yeah, and so so even though I mean I'm like I said I'm sure Mel has some some sense of there of there being some positive connotations with that. The film does not, and to me. No. What you're seeing more than anything, the re- the reason the film has stuck with me, I feel like, um, since I saw it, you know, when it came out, and part of it is just that it had this whole dual nature of being this really exciting action adventure film, and then being just shot through with these really weird. I think you were right when you said almost quasi Yodorowsky moments of yeah. sort of like just aesthetic interest. Yes, you know that that he shows in the film that I just and it's like. You don't it's see like from the, filmmakers sort of, on his scale. No, but you also, <laughs> it's weird in the, I mean, this is nitpicky or whatever. This is uh, in the weeds or I don't know. I don't know what the, who cares? Um, He like, they like set up for these moments and then don't, the camera doesn't pay them off. Right. They're like, we have this like beautiful striking aesthetic thing, but we're not going to bother putting it in like a beautiful aesthetic frame. Like Yodorowsky, right? He's like, I have this thing and now let's look at it from the angle that makes it the most strike. Yes. Right. Um, he's like, let me, let me paint a painting for you. Um, and Gibson doesn't do that. He doesn't have an interest in that. Right. Yes. But he like, he like has these worlds that he like builds and like has these super striking images and you just sort of like move past them. And you're like, what was, yeah. what was that insane, beautiful painting over there that we didn't see? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that you just sort of glimpse as just this textural yeah. fact. It's just background noise, yeah. yeah. It's, um, Which is, it is super striking. Yeah, I, I, the, the film was just so... Uh, Sorry, you were saying part of the reason it stuck with me Oh, well, part of the, the reason, yeah, so part of the reason it stuck with me was the duality, but then another big thing, I think, is just that moment of them running out onto mm-hmm. the shore and then seeing the galleons, because there is this sense that everything that's gone before... Mm-hmm. Is rendered irrelevant. Like you've been, yeah. it, it's one of those movies that does manage to yes create a genuine reversal, not just like a plot reversal or a clever reveal. Yes, it, it's a it's a complete reversal of momentum and focus in the final yes. moments because everything that's happened in the film has been the most important thing that's ever happened to anybody in that film up until yeah. this moment when all of it is rendered pointless because yeah. they've. They ran to the end of their part of history, right? Like that's what I see those boats <laughs> yeah. as more than anything yeah. else, more than yes. representing the Europeans or representing Christianity or civilization, et cetera. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. It represents history. History is coming yes. for you. History is yeah, he's here. Like, gonna, they're going to be wiped away. Yeah. And you're done. What happens next is not some modification of you. It's not some development of you. It is something yeah. else. And you're either yeah. going to There will be, be no building upon any of this no. that we've seen. You're, you're either going it's to gonna be, be fit into it somehow, dragged into it yeah. somehow, or eradicated. It is a new thing, and here yes. it comes. Like, you're literally yes. just seeing this I mean, wave of of the next moment yeah. pushing it. 
it's like, you know, it's sort of like, I mean, it is, I guess it is like a twist ending, right? But, uh, or like a, or like a, it was all just a dream in that when you watch it, it was, oh, I get mad when I see a movie and at the end they were like, it was all a dream because I'm like, then why did I? Oh, yeah, watch it's, it? it's the worst. Um, <laughs> but, but this does it in a way that feels fine to me. Yeah. It, and, and, and in a way where I think, again, the like, the issue with most like twisty movies, like, uh, Sixth Sense, right? It's like, it, once you know that Bruce Willis is a ghost, you're like, why am I going to watch this movie? It's who cares anymore, right? Yeah. It's like everything that was intriguing about this movie is now gone. This movie, I don't, I've only seen it once. I don't think would be ruined by that. It doesn't feel like the kind of twist where like, because the, the title of the movie is the twist ending. The girl halfway through tells you what the, how the movie's going to end, right? It's like the movie is inevitably leading up to the destruction of the civilization. Yeah. Um, even if you don't know that that's how the movie's going to end, you know that that is how these people will, you know that that's how it will end. Yes. Right. Um, so it is, it's like a really nuanced and interesting take on the sort of, on the twist, just in a, from a pure structural angle, well, right. Where it's like, it is, he's like nothing that happened. All of these things, I guess that's it. It's like, like you said, it is still for those people. Everything that happened has been so immediate and so important and beyond anything they've experienced before. So it is all still relevant experience. Yes. It's not like, when it was just a dream, when you're like, oh, so none of that mattered to yeah, anybody. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's what this I was going to say. This person has not all of those other been twists, altered or changed It actually does nullify the events yeah. of the film. This doesn't nullify the events yeah, yeah, of the yeah. film, because those no. events are the history leading yeah. up to this. Now, but it, yeah. what it, it, it's actually, it's one of the only things I've ever seen that has dramatized the, like, effectively dramatized that sort of inevitable... Like epochal shift. Wave, yeah, epoch shift, right? Like... Yeah, you have films um, that sort of deal with that, but it, they always deal with it in terms of personalities or events, yeah. and it, it's almost part of why the film feels like it. It almost feels like he has to mess up the history in the film, right? Like he can't make it. That, that's sure. a little bit too generous and a little bit too apologetic. Sure. <laughs> but from one angle, it feels like he has to just make a mesh of it because he's not talking about actual people doing actual things and actual events. He's talking about this whole group of time running smack into the next group of time. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's like, look at these 600 years that I've mashed into eight days. Yeah. And now look at this next 400 years that I've mashed into two days. Yes. And like, here's what's coming. And I, and I, I do think that part of what, part of the reason I thought to make you watch this film for our year end episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we would not be the first <laughs> to note that 2020 feels like, I, I don't know for my whole life. It's felt like we're verging on the end of the world to a certain degree. Oh, yeah. I don't think we've ever had a year that didn't um, feel like the world was, ending. you know, we, we had the, the oncoming millennium. We had nine 11. We had everything that followed after in the 21st century. Like, and, and I think the, I think the trick there is that it's not that we were wrong all of those times. It's just that it was one right. continuous process and it's still going on. Yes. yes. And 2020 for many reasons feels like not, not the final moment in that process, right. but a particularly pointed one and one where yeah. like close enough that we could round it up. Like when the Spanish come at the end of that film, it's not like everybody dies immediately. Yeah. Right. There's a long, no, no those process. boats are still there. 
a week later. Or whatever. Yeah, we we have that. Like, yeah, brief they're just jump, they're right? they're Those anchored off there. It, this is a process. Yeah, this is this is yeah. the the next step. But what's coming is what's coming. Yes, and I don't know. Looking at the film again, it it does just feel still. <laughs> it feel it feels as relevant as anything to us now. Like sure, you know, twenty twenty is not the the end of anything, but it is. It does feel like at the end of this year, we're standing on the beach and we are seeing the future coming. Yeah. We don't know what Those it Those galleons means. are cresting. We don't right. know what's going to happen. But the thing that we have to know is that this is done. Yeah. Like, whatever comes next is something else. And we might have a place in it. Right. And that place Maybe might be- Maybe we can conform. Good. That place might be bad. It might be- set. Who knows? I don't know. Nobody knows? knows. But right. it's something else. And it that's- you see that wave on the horizon right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. Drink a champagne, eh? <laughs> or whatever. Some sparkling cider. Um, I wasn't going to make you do this, but I, <laughs> I saw like 20 minutes of Escape from LA today. It was just on in a coffee shop. I've still never seen that. Um, Oh, really? yeah, it's one of the oh, only carpenters well, I haven't seen. Talk about it. Oh, well, uh, let's just, let's talk about it sometime. The, I had like four notes that I wanted to mention because I was, I was watching bits from it and I was like, this movie is phenomenal. <laughs> um, it's, it's like, it's like as if Escape from New York was, was a comic book. It's, 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 it's like Sin City before Sin City aesthetically, except it's all in color. But like, like the way the sets are and the effects are, are like so mind blowingly, like earnestly comic booky. Uh, it's so I gotta good. watch that. Um, also it has Steve Buscemi and like a pork pie hat and like a crazy suit that anyone else would look like an asshole in. Um, but there's, there's a scene that's like, it, it, it basically follows the plot beats of Escape from New York. It's like the same movie, but bigger. Um, so like, instead of that, like, fight with like a giant guy with the fun mustache in a in a boxing ring they have like a murder basketball game and at the beginning of it one of the things that happened is this this dude is like you may have survived cleveland you may have escaped from new york but anyone can die in la and i was like what happened in cleveland? <laughs> is there was was he gonna write another movie was he gonna make a prequel that happens in cleveland a cleequel get out of cleveland yeah um, and then I was like, can we make that? Can we get someone who looks like a young Kurt Russell and make Escape from Cleveland? I mean, just get his son. His son's pretty good. Is yeah. he? Great. Let's get his son and make Escape from Cleveland. Right. It's so much fun. Yeah, we'll get baby Russell and make a Cleveland. Yeah. Right? Anyway. Wait, maybe should... that, maybe that's the city he's hunting. Perfect. Perfect. Hunting Cleveland. In. <laughs> Alright. I'm gonna go to bed. Um... <laughs> Synesthesia is produced by Iguana Donald Studios and distributed by Split Tooth Media. Featuring music by The Cocktails, courtesy of Tight Ship Records. Theme music by Soft Healer.
End of Book 1 I mean, this is nitpicky or whatever. This is uh, in the weeds or I don't know. I don't know what the... Who cares? Um...